want to spend a few minutes this morning sharing some things in my heart with you as it relates to uh, confronting some lies that we tell ourselves from time to time. There's a passage of Scripture that's found in Proverbs chapter 4, and most of you probably have memorized it and know it well. But the Scripture says, Above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. When we look at this passage of Scripture, we recognize that our heart is, is the center of our being. It is the place from which our thoughts come from. It's the place from which our decisions are made scripturally. It's a place from which we begin to determine what our character will be like. And the Scripture very clearly tells us that we diligently, with great effort, must begin to guard our heart. There's something about our heart. And earlier this week, I had put out a request because I began to think about what would be a neat illustration for us to begin to remember this. And so I, I put on Facebook, does anybody know where I can get a bulletproof vest? Little did I know the responses that that was going to elicit from my friends who are pastors around the nation. Some of them begin to say, how bad is it in Syracuse there, bud? What, what's going on that you feel like you have to wear a bulletproof vest to preach? And some of them were joking around and said, oh, you're preaching about tithing, aren't you? So, you know, I just begin to bring up all of these little comments. But today I want to I just put this on for you as an illustration of something that I believe the Bible wants us to know. There we go. Those who take care of us in the areas of law enforcement have a deep understanding that from the moment the phone rings and there is a call and they're going to be going into situations where they know that their lives could be in jeopardy, this is one of the pieces of equipment that they put on. And the reason being is they recognize that a shot to the heart ends everything. A shot to the heart will end it all. And so when we see them and they're in places where they must protect us, they're wearing these vests, they wear helmets. And it reminds me of a modern-day Ephesians 6 that talks about the, the armor of God that we should be carrying and that we should be putting on daily, that, that there would be this discernment within our life that we recognize that we are walking around in a dangerous world and there are people out there who would like nothing more than to attack you in such a way that they can get to your heart. Because if they can get to your heart, then they can affect the way you think about the world around you. They can affect the way that you think about yourself. And, and we spend a lot of time in thinking about how we protect ourselves. In fact, we get out of the car and we reach in and we push the button and hit it twice. And our cars whistle at us, letting us know that they have been locked. We, we spend a lot of money on security systems. We stick signs up in our yard because we understand that we live in a dangerous world. But somehow, there are times when the danger of our world around us doesn't seem to reach to us where we understand that there are some spiritual dangers that take place. In fact, God tells us very, very clearly that our heart is something that we must protect. He tells us in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you, and I will remove from you the heart of stone. In other words, there's something that he takes out of us and something that he transplants in us 
when we come to know him in grace. And he said, and I will give you a new heart of flesh. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, he said, A good man brings good things out of the good stored in his heart. An evil man brings things that are evil that are, out, that are stored up in his heart. And the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. One of the things that I was recognizing as I was beginning to, to do this study is that not all of the attacks that come to your heart are from the outside. We wear this because we know that there are others that may try to attack us and affect the way that we believe things or see ourselves. But I also believe that some attacks come from the inside. In fact, I read a story that in 2003 at the Antwerp World Diamond Center in Belgium that there was a $100 million diamond heist. And as they were trying to figure out how an individual or a group of people got through all of their security, they recognized as they dug back down that there was an individual that had rented space in there and that the whole thing was an inside job. That the individual had studied everything in order to make this huge heist from the inside. There are attacks to our heart that we create ourselves because of some of the misbeliefs that we allow to exist as to how God views us. I believe some of that comes because we have made judgments about what God must think of us because of the way that we look and the way that we think about others who are in our situations. And so this morning, what I would like to do is understanding that we protect ourselves and our hearts from outside forces, I want you to also understand that God wants to begin to address you and some of the misplaced, misbeliefs that you may have had concerning yourself that are inside jobs that ruin our joy. I believe that in light of, God word, in light of God's word, I want to confront with some of you who have begun to believe lies about yourself, that you are unlovable, that you are unforgivable, that you are unchangeable, that you are unblessable, or that you are unusable for the purposes of God. And I want you to know that Scripture will refute those, and I want you to be able to jot down Scriptures that may help you protect your heart from both the outside and the inside. The first misperception that many people carry is that I am unlovable. In Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, the Scripture says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man somebody might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, when we were still as bad as we can possibly be, Christ died for us. There was an illustration that I read in a book by psychologist Larry Crabb who told a story of someone who had a 24-year-old son. He had grown up in the church, but as he got to the age of accountability, began to choose his own way. And disappointing his parents, began to wander off into a life of sex and drugs. He moved out of the house because he was tired of hearing what mom and dad had to say. And he moved into a place where this was taking place on a regular basis. In the middle of the night one night, there was a phone call at the house. Somebody on the other end, speaking to the father, said, This is the police department. We've arrested your son. You need to come down to the police department right away. So he jumped out of bed and got dressed and rushed to the police department. And as he arrived at the station, he got there and said, I received this call that I was told my son is here. And he discovered that he had been pranked, and it was a prank call. But while he was there, he thought, 
you know, I'm going to drive by the house where my son's at. And as he did so, he recognized that the front door was partially open. And so he parked out front and got out. And as he walked in, he began to recognize there were the bodies of those that were just strung out on drugs laying all over the house. And as he looked around, his eyes became accustomed to the darkness. And he saw his son asleep laying on the couch. And as he walked over to him, he stood beside him, and he just looked at him for a moment. And rather than waking him up, all the father did was lean over, and he just kissed his son on the head. Just kissed him on the head. He went outside, got back into his car, and couldn't even drive. He was crying so hard and just wept for about an hour. Eight months later, he received a call from his son saying, Hey, Dad, can we have lunch? And when they got together, his son told him at lunch, I just wanted you to be the first to know. I've given my life back to God. I've come back to Him. And he began to ask his son, what is it that began to change your heart and mind and all this? And he said, Dad, here is what changed everything. He said, one night when you came to the house, he said, you saw me on the couch and you thought I was asleep, but I wasn't. He says, and when I was laying there dreading that you were going to wake me up and condemn me, all you did was lean over and you kissed me. And I begin to think, if my dad can love me in this most unlovable state, then there must be something to the love of Jesus Christ. And I decided that that is who I wanted to follow. You see, some of you have tried to earn the love of God, and you've tried your best to do things, to make yourself pleasing to him, and, and you have battled this insecurity on the inside that somehow everybody else is lovable. But when it comes to me, I somehow and I'm, I'm an unlovable person by God. And what I want to declare to you today is that grace, the grace of God makes the word deserve a terrible word. It is the grace of God that reaches to us in our insecurity and says, I love you regardless of what you have done, and I can redeem you from anything that you have done. I heard this quote on the radio this week. You may have done a hundred things to make God not love you, but you haven't done anything to make him change his mind. And so when you begin to face the insecurities of that voice on the inside that says to you, you are unlovable, you can fight back with the word of God and recognize that you can put on and guard your heart that you are not unlovable. Secondly, there's that voice that says sometimes that you are unforgivable. Colossians chapter 2 verses 13 and 14 says that when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ, and he forgave all of our sins. He forgave all of our sins. Just let that sink in for a minute. He forgave all of our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us, that stood opposed to us. He took it away by nailing it to the cross. If you and I were to take a piece of paper or a notebook or reams of paper and begin to write down every sin that we have ever committed against God. It could take us hours or days to try to come through it, but I want you to know that in that middle of your heart when you feel as if somehow you are an unforgivable because of things that you have done, the scripture very clearly indicates to us that something happened on the cross of Jesus Christ. That our sins were taken care of there. In fact, in the Old Testament, one of the ways that a person who was a debtor would know that their debts have been taken care of is the person who the debt was owed to would come to their house and take the debt and drive a nail through it 
into their door so that when they came back they would see that debt has a nail through it, it's paid in full. How interesting then that when Christ became our sin, the one who knew no sin, when he was on the cross having nails driven through his hands and driven through his feet, that the indication was to us that every sin you could ever write down was nailed and canceled. And that when Jesus declared, it is finished, it finished for you the thought that you would ever be unforgivable. That God says, I have taken care of that. Driving a nail through it. Oftentimes what happens to us is that our feelings, our feelings reinforce your misbelief. And you begin to live in an unhealthy situation of guilt. And it's not a Holy Spirit-driven guilt, which will always drive you to repentance and always drive you to come to the Lord. This one is the guilt that drives you away from the Savior. This is the guilt that makes you feel like you are worthless and unworthy. And some of you have been battling this misbelief that somehow you are unforgivable. But I want you to know today, the cross declares something different. You have been forgiven. And if you have been feeling that on the inside, I want you to know that feelings follow correct actions. The longer you begin to battle that feeling and say, I am standing on the word of God, and you begin to guard your heart from the inside, the more those feelings slip away and the feelings of your security begin to enter in. Thirdly, some of you have been battling the misbelief that you are unchangeable. 2 Corinthians 5.17 declares to us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. I, I, I want you to repeat that with me. The old is gone. Let's say it together. The old is gone. Some of you need to hear that today. That the old is gone and the new has come. The reason that this bothers so many people is because they recognize in their own heart that the change that takes place in their life has come so slowly that they feel as if I am the one person that the Bible describes as unchangeable. Somehow that old is not gone. Now there are times when our old man is not buried very deeply and he tries to resurrect himself, but the scripture declares to us the word of God that confronts your misconception. The old is gone when you come to know Jesus. You are a new creation. The cross is potential energy until you apply it to your life and live it out. And so for you to think that you are unchangeable is a lie that would make the cross of no effect. So remind yourself of this. Sin is not your captor any longer. Sin has no hold of you any longer. Jesus Christ has set you free. He is changing you into his image day by day and that you are no longer a captor. Here's what happens. Because we believe in, in both instantaneous and progressive sanctification, meaning that the, the moment that you ask Jesus into your life, instantaneously you are fully his. You belong to him completely. It's as if you have never sinned. But lived out in life, there is a progressive growth that comes. In other words, we learn to live more Christ-like day by day, which indicates to us that every one of us are going to fail. It's what you do after you fail that matters. Those that protect themselves believing 
that I am unchangeable will stay down in their failure. Those that have a proper understanding of Scripture means that when I fall and when I fail, I ask forgiveness and I get back up and I do it again. And if I fall, I get back up and I do it again. And some of you today need to get back up and do it again because you are not unchangeable. You are on a journey and God is leading you. And it's powerful what he can do within your life. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. You see, the cross splits the world. To those who look at the cross, you will either look at it and you will see it as pathetic or you will see it as powerful. If you look at it and Paul says you look at the cross and you see that it's pathetic, then you are perishing. You are dying and you are without hope. But for those who look at the cross and see it as the power of God, they are the ones that are being saved. This means that you have been taken from a perishing world and you've been put on a one-way street to heaven. But it's one or the other. There's no middle ground. You either see the cross as pathetic or it's as powerful. David Berkowitz, known as the son of Sam, that some of you who are alive in the 70s might remember that name, is spending life in, print, uh, in prison after being sentenced for murdering six people and wounding several others. His testimony was that he grew up in really difficult circumstances, had a preoccupation with, with horror movies and killing things. And In fact, he didn't even have to go to trial. He just pled guilty when he was finally caught. While he was in prison... Another prisoner who had come to know the Lord felt impressed upon his heart, compelled by the Holy Spirit to talk to David Berkowitz about Jesus. And he began to be with him in his cell and began to share with him. And David remembers that guy and he says in his testimony, he says, that guy, I looked at him and I said, God is not interested in me. God has never had anything to do with me. I am unlovable, I am unforgivable, and I am unchangeable. And he said, but that man was relentless in telling me that all things are possible through Jesus Christ. And he says, that night, late at night, when everybody else was asleep, he was awakened. And he had been given a Bible. And as he opened the Bible, he read Psalm 18:6 that it said, in my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried for God to help. And from his temple, he heard my voice. He heard my cry, and it came before him and into his ears. And around midnight one night, David got up in his cell and he cried out to God that he was sick of his life, that he was sick of his sin, he was sick of his past. And if God could really love the unlovable and really change the unchangeable, then make yourself real to me. And he was miraculously and powerfully saved in that very moment. Today, David Berkowitz is a worship leader in prison, leading other people to Jesus Christ, proving, proving nobody is unchangeable. Some of you have been battling the issue of, but I'm unblessable. I've had conversations with people through the years that simply believe that, yes, God can save me, but because of the way I am and who I am, I am unblessable. The favor of God cannot rest upon me. Let me tell you something. First of all, we live in the blessing of God by just being in America. We could be any other place in the world, and there are people and Christians today who are passionately praising him under the threat of their very life. We have got the favor of God upon us. But the enemy begins to whisper into your ear and into the depths of your heart as an inside job of trying to rob you of your joy that somehow you live an unblessable life. 
Ephesians 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every, every spiritual blessing in Christ. If we would be quick to highlight all of our sins, we also could be quick to highlight all of the blessings that God has given to us in our life. Psalm 37.25 says, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. No matter what the situation is that you are in, remember this. God knows your need. He knows what it is to provide. He knows how to take care of you. You are not unblessable. You are living under the favor of God. And not only will you enjoy that blessing here, but we have an eternity to enjoy the blessing of salvation because God knows what he's doing. So fight that inner voice that tells you that you are unblessable. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 and 2, it's interesting because in all of the Scripture, the only thing that God will allow to overtake you is His blessing. When it says, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all of His commands that I give you today. In other words, the conditions are, if you want to live a blessed life, then obey God. Follow His ways. Do what He's asking you to do so that you, you can qualify by living on a trail that He's pouring out His favor upon. The Lord your God will set you high above the other nations of the earth, and these blessings will come upon you and accompany you. Now, that Hebrew word, accompany, is a word that we would use to mean overtake you or overwhelm you or almost bury you. He said, I will bury you in my favor. I will overwhelm you in my favor as you follow after me if you obey the Lord your God. And if you find yourself today in the midst of a storm and you feel as if it's captured my vision, I can't see beyond this. I'm, I'm in the middle of a rainstorm in the clouds of life and my, whatever it may be, your health, job situations, I want you to know something. There's one way that you can take that situation and instantly change it, and that's begin to praise God. You say, but it's so hard in the middle of a difficult time. It's difficult to praise God when my, when my heart's not in it. The Lord says that he inhabits the praises of his people. In other words, if you want to feel the presence of the Lord in a dark time, sing his praises and watch what his Holy Spirit does as he begins to invade your space and begins to battle for you on the inside and the out. Praise him in the midst of the storm and watch what he will do. And fifthly, some of you have battled this misperception that you are unusable. There's a sign that's posted on an old Alaskan highway, and the sign says, be careful which rut you choose because you're going to be in it for the next hundred miles. Life is like that for us. We, we can get into routines. We can get into habits, both time-wise and thought patterns. Some of you have been living in a, in a rutted thought pattern as it relates to your relationship with God and to the point where you have said, because of who I am, because of where I've come from, because of what I've done, because of all of these external things, I may be able to be a part of a church, but I can never be used of God. I will forever sit and be a cheerleader in the stands as other people are doing things for the Lord, but somehow you have allowed yourself to believe that you are unusable. That is a lie from the pit of hell to keep you from enjoying the things that God wants you to enjoy. There's a marvelous illustration of this in Scripture in the life of Moses. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. 
There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it didn't burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. If there was ever somebody that we would look at as a biblical figure that perhaps could think that their life would be unusable, it might be Moses. If there was somebody who felt like they had blown their only opportunity to be used of God, it might be Moses. But what I love about this is that God so often, not just in the life of Moses, but in the life of all of us, shows up in the ordinary things of life. You see what happened to Moses, what, it was an ordinary day. It was just like the other 14,000 days that he had lived in the desert. He was in the rut of life, taking care of the sheep that didn't even belong to him. They belonged to his father-in-law. Perhaps the inner voice was saying, you blew your chance. You had a chance when you were young, but this is the result of the decisions that you made, and forever you will be in the wilderness just taking care of somebody else's sheep. And then in the middle of an ordinary day, God decides to confront this misplaced thought within him and begins to tell him, I'm going to use you in ways that you have never dreamed. I believe that some of you are at a place in your life where you have fallen into the rut of just everyday life and the things that you're doing and you deal with your regrets and you think that this is as good as it's going to get. That I'm not going to be able to do anything great for God because of what I've done or who I am or my heritage. All of these things that you believe disqualifies you, God is about to address to prove to you that that is a misplaced lie that is injuring your heart from the inside out. And perhaps he's been trying to get your attention Perhaps he's been trying to tap you on the shoulder and maybe it'll be a disruption of your routine in some way. Maybe suddenly there'll be an accident or an illness or an unwelcome change in circumstances. Maybe it's a job loss, but God will get your attention causing you to change your day-to-day -day rut that you have always lived in so that you will turn your focus from you and start to turn it to him so that you can hear his voice. Moses had been doing the same thing for 40 years and he thought it was improbable that anything would change until God said, everything is going to change. I want you to know something. God has not given up on you. God has plans for you. It may be a less dramatic way than what we see written down in scriptures, but I want you to mark it down. God did not call you to attend this church to sit here and sit in the stands and clap for everybody else that's out there doing something for him. He called you because you're usable. He's placed talents and abilities in your life that he wants this environment to begin to grow those and thrive so that you can step out and it might be that your past will be an open door to somebody else's future. There are things that you're going through that you think might have destroyed you that will touch the heart of somebody else and that will be the key that will let them dig through the mountain of their unbelief and you get to welcome them to the kingdom of God. But quit lying to yourself. And hurting your heart from the inside out, believing that you are unusable. Because God is trying to get your attention. One of the things I love about this is that it clearly indicates 
that your failures do not disqualify you from service. Your failures and your past and your history do not disqualify you from service. And the one that is whispering these insecurity thoughts to you from the inside is not the voice of the Savior who says, I made you brand new. I have changed you for a purpose. But I'm going to use everything that you are and everything that you've been through for my kingdom's sake. So sometimes we put on the bulletproof vest so that we can stop those who are from the outside trying to attack our heart and trying to attack our faith, and and we protect ourselves with this. But sometimes the greatest weaponry is from within ourselves. As we deal with the insecurities of our own faith and who we are, nobody knows us like we know ourselves except God. And he thinks more highly of you than you think of yourself because of what he can do in you. Kim, if you'd please come. I believe with all of my heart that this is touching the hearts of people today. You see, the heart of Christianity is a lifestyle of intimacy. It's intimacy with Christ. It's constantly being with him and letting him reinforce within us all of his thoughts for us. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He loved you so much that he would die for you so that you wouldn't have these inside jobs robbing you of the peace and purpose that God has created for you. So I'm going to ask you this morning to close your eyes for a minute. Nobody looking around. Because I believe that there are some of these that are being directly dealt with by the Holy Spirit within your life. Some of you have been dealing with this thought that I am unlovable. Maybe other people have planted that seed in your heart to the point where you have begun to believe them and now that voice cries out from your own insides. And you've been battling this insecurity. With nobody looking around today, if that's you, if that describes you, I'm going to pray for you in just a moment, then I'm going to ask you, would you just lift a hand and say, Pastor, I'm dealing with really thinking that I'm unlovable. Yes, 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 many. Some of you are sitting today and the voice that's been screaming on the inside of you and maybe it's been an excuse for you not to respond to the grace of God, but you believe that you are unforgivable. There have been things that you've participated in or done that you cannot get out of your mind and you somehow think, I know God said he died for everybody, but if you knew what I had done and you've been battling this, that I am, I'm an unforgivable person. And today I want to pray for you. If that's you, if you're battling that, would you just lift your hand? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. You can put them down. Some of you have come from backgrounds and behaviors that you have seen and parents. And you're replicating those things even though you are now a new creature in Christ. And you've got this image that I am the way I am and I am unchangeable. Somehow the grace of God and and, and the sanctification of God is not working within me and I have failed. And today the word of the Lord says for you to get up. Quit laying in the dirt of your failure and stand up and try again. But if you've been battling with this idea that you were unchangeable, would you lift your hand so that I could pray for you? Yes, yes, yes. Some of you have been under the misguided perception that somehow you, you are not possible to live under the favor of God, that God will never favor you, will never bless you, that whatever it is now is as good as it's going to get, and the enemy has held you and battled you, And you just don't believe that you could possibly live in the pleasure of the Lord. 
and it's been doing an inside job on your heart. And today the Lord says, I want you to guard your heart from the inside because I'm going to address that. If that is something that you're facing, would you just lift your hand? Many, many across this room. And some of you have sat on the sidelines. You've been a child of God for a long time, but you have felt that what you have gone through and the situations of your life that for some reason there are things that have disqualified you from ever being used. And like Moses, you have fallen into the rut of just, you know, the best I'm going to be is a worshiper. I'll just sing worship praises, but God can never use me. And if you believe that you are unusable today, would you lift your hand so that I can pray for you? Yes. Yes. I want you to open your eyes and I want you to stand with me, please, this morning. Some of you are really good at putting on the bulletproof vest. You're really good at protecting yourself from the attacks on the outside. In fact, you have built a wall where nobody is going to be able to get in. And, and you, you have lived within that. But what you fail to recognize is that not all attacks come from the outside as it relates to your heart. Some of you have been believing things about yourself that God never intended you to believe. And I'm going to pray for you this morning and then... I'm going to have our altar workers come and prepare themselves because some of you need to have others join you in prayer to begin to tear down some of the strongholds of misbelief within your life as it relates to God's plans for you. Lord Jesus, there were hands raised at every category which just simply confirms to me that this is exactly what you wanted your people to hear today. That we all deal with insecurities, every one of us, no matter how self-confident we may seem on the outside, on the inside, we are dealing with things that we don't want anybody to know about because if they did, we'd be so ashamed and afraid. And yet you directly addressed each of these issues through your Holy Spirit and gave us the weaponry in your word to battle these things. For those that raise their hands, that feel as if they are unlovable, I pray that you would break that chain right now, O oh God, and allow them to sense the love of God begin to seep into their spirit in a brand new dimension. For those that feel somehow that the circumstances of their life and the things that they have done and the way they've treated people in the past have left them in an unforgivable condition, I pray that you would arrest those thoughts through the power of your name. And that you would break that chain and set them free so that they can see that the nail driven through your hands paid their sin in full and there's nothing that you cannot forgive. But the cross to them would become powerful. For those, Lord, who have lived in the rut of life to the point where they think that they are unchangeable, whatever the excuse that they have used in the past, I pray, Lord Jesus, that for those that have lived in the dirt of failure, that have fallen and thought, that's it, I'm not good enough, I'm never going to get this, and have decided to lay in that dirt, would you give them the unction of the Holy Spirit to stand up and try again, and try again, and try again, because as they continue to walk with you, the failures become fewer, and the nature within them becomes more like you. So, Lord, would you change them by your Holy Spirit? And for those, Lord, who feel as if they simply cannot live in your favor, that they have been disqualified by their thoughts and by their actions from ever being blessed. Maybe they said, you know what, I know I'm saved, but I'm going to get to heaven by the skin of my teeth. But to expect anything more from that of God is beyond me. I ask today 
would you let them see themselves through your eyes? Would you allow them, Lord God, to begin to see how blessed they are and that they are the inheritors of everything that you have and quit living in the insecurity that they are unblessable. And for those, Lord, who somehow feel like Moses, that I blew my chance, I made mistakes that are unforgivable, the best I can hope for is just to be a part of a church but never to be used. Oh, that's beyond what God can do with me. Would you today allow them to have a glimpse of the gifts that you have placed within them that have yet been unwrapped, that you desire to unleash in your church for your glory's sake? And Father, I pray that as a church, we would be a people, we would be a congregation that responds to each other not by who we used to be, but responds to each other by who we are in Christ. Lord, there have been people that have come and visited this church, and even this morning that have told me, man, the moment I walked in here, I felt at home. We know that that's because of you, but can we demonstrate your love in such a way that regardless of what people have been involved with, that when they come in contact with Christ, we see them with new eyes, with new potential, because of your marvelous grace. And so, Lord, while we wear bulletproof vests on the outside, so many times it's on the inside that we sabotage ourselves. And I pray that in your marvelous, marvelous grace that you would begin to battle those things for us so that we can protect our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you today have things that are going on in your life and you need somebody to pray with you. You need a combination to be able to join with somebody and say, here's what's happening. Can you please pray for me? And today I want you to know that we have people here who are trained to know how to, to walk with you and confidently be with you and pray with you. But we believe in answered prayer in this church. We believe in the power of a living God that is so concerned about your personal life that he does not want you to walk out of this place without having somebody that has joined you in prayer. And so in just a moment, as I dismiss, and those of you that feel you must go, please do, but the rest of you that just need somebody to pray with, would you take a step of faith and would you be willing to come and just say, here I am. Some of these things that were mentioned today, I've, I've been struggling, and would you just join me in faith and prayer? that God will help me protect my heart from the inside jobs that have been robbing me of that peace. So let me pray with you. Lord, here we are. We are a people in need. We can't do this on our own. We must have you. And so we throw ourselves at your feet, asking for your grace and your mercy. But Lord, as you battle these things on the inside, would you also lift us up so that you can show us what redeemed life looks like in you? And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I pray that you have a marvelous week in the Lord. Please join us again tonight as we just spend a season in singing and worshiping the Lord. And if you must go, please do. But if there's something in your heart that you need prayer for, would you please come and let one of our prayer team join you in prayer and believe with you that God will change life for you today. God bless you.